Reframed Podcast. I'm Kelly O'Mara. Thank you for joining us. Today we talk about adoption. November is Adoption Awareness Month. Pastors Bud Fancy and Parker Davis both have a connection to adoption, and we get to hear their stories. But first, we continue our Getting to Know Your Pastor segment by getting to know Pastor Debbie Rooney. Let's get started. little bit about yourself. I grew up in Easton all my life, so I'm not far away from here. Met my husband just before we got out of high school. We were married, have been married for quite some time. Did children's ministry in some other churches before here. We've lived in Easton and we will probably always live there. And you've got kids, right? We have two children, actually three. I'm not going to say two. We have Jason, who is uh, resides in Easton and adopted daughter Charity who also resides in Easton but we have one child Mandy who is in heaven with Jesus so one day we will reunite and when did you accept Jesus can you tell us a little bit about your testimony sure first of all back when I was really young we were always sent to church but that's where I first accepted Christ was when I was young and went to church, went to Sunday school. I'm so thankful that my parents did that. And of course, later on, as we grow up, we pull away from that a little. And I did. But then in my early 20s, I went back to little Easton Wesleyan Church where, believe it or not, Bud Fancy was the pastor there. And so I was saved under his ministry. Steve and I both brought our kids up there. So it's it's just funny that now we work together. So that's cool. That is very cool. Tell me a little bit about your ministry history, because you said you've done ministry in a few other churches in addition to Framework. I always loved working with children. I was involved in ministry probably two to three years after I came to the Lord. And it started gradually and went up. And when we lost Mandy, I was driving along the road one day and it was beautiful. It was night. And I remember seeing this beautiful star and I thought, you know, it's so good to know that God created the universe and just to know that she's there in heaven with him. And I said, Lord, I love children and I would love to have many, many more. And it wasn't an audible voice, but I knew God said to me, as you would talk to me, I knew he said, I'm going to give you many children. And at that point, not really realizing what that meant, I actually do have many children since I've been working in the ministry. I even have children in Africa. We went there and we did a beautiful ministry and I met many, many children. And so God has given me many children. And so that's, I guess, where it began. And then I just worked in a couple churches for a few years. I ended up working at the elementary school for a while. And then we came here just, you know, looking and listening and searching out what God wanted for our lives at that time. And I was here about a year because Steve and I love to get right involved in ministry. And so we did. And the guy who was doing it at the time really let us, you know, get involved and do some things. And 
all of a sudden he was gone and I was asked if I'd be interested in the position, which shocked me because I thought ministry at that point, because this church was so big from what I had done before, probably would not be children's ministry because they're so loaded with people. Well, a big church needs workers too. (laughs) And so this is where I have been. And how long have you been at Framework? Oh, I think it's been 15 years. And I can say, first of all, though, I believe to be in a ministry, it's got to be something that you're called to. And I knew God had called me to that. And I, I thought it was smaller than what I expected. But to me, that was big, if you know what I mean, because for God to use you in any ministry in any way or form is amazing to become one of his servants. So, yeah, when that happened, I just thought, wow, God, you are so more gracious than what I would have ever dreamed or desired. And so he definitely gave me the desires of my heart. Tell me a little bit about what you do. What is your official title and what is it that you do at Framework? I am the children's pastor and I start with, we start with nursery up to grade five. And we do mini church, which at one point when I first got here, the mini church and the nursery were together, but I could see a need where they needed to be divided and taught little stories and given little crafts. And and that's what we do. We have two great, great ministry leaders in that position right now, and they do a great job. And so a lot of that they do, I will do stories and stuff and get them ready for them. So we start there. And then when they're four, they come up to junior church, and that's from ages four up to grade five. And we also separate our little ones to go down and do their own story. We haven't done that much since COVID, but we're thinking of doing that again, because we're getting quite a few little ones, which is which is great. So that part, and then we also do a puppet team which I have two, again, great leaders there that run that more or less. And we do big top bash programs. We do all kinds of things like that for our puppet team to get involved in. We also do an Awana program, which has not been running again since COVID, but we are praying we can start up after Christmas and get a fresh start and start all over. So those are kind of what we we offer for things right now. And I know that you are also very active with Riverside. I am. And Riverside caught my heart the first time I ever went. I was down there. I was not pastor here at the time. I'd gone down with the former pastor and his wife and helped them out that year. And I fell in love with it. And if you find people that come and they get involved in that way and they will come back and say, we can't stay away this year. It's just captured our heart. So that's what it did. And I do the elementary kids for that week. We did just three year, three days this year, but I do that week and it is the most amazing week you'll ever have in your life. And fun to get to know the kids, fun to teach those kids and fun to see them year after year come back and then go on to youth. And that's what it's all about, sharing Jesus. What's your favorite part of the job? There's lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> This is my favorite. This is my favorite because it all comes into one thing and that's sharing Jesus with kids. And when I have a child say to me, and I'll give you this little testimony that happened at camp Riverside this year. Sometimes my kids come back and be my helpers or they be my counselors. And, and this young man came and he was helping us. And we had a very beautiful service one night where the Holy Spirit just poured out on the kids and this young man came up to me afterwards and he said, all I can say is thank you for teaching me about Jesus way back when. 
I mean, way back when to them was, yeah, just a few years ago. <laughs> He's probably 16, but that's what it's all about. When one says, you taught me something, that's God. And to be able to say that you've touched a life for Jesus, wow, amazing. And we love you doing it. We love well, you sharing. <laughs> is there anything else that you just wanted to add? I can just say if God is calling you at all to a children's ministry to come and serve, I've had some that have come and said, you know, this just isn't my thing. And I say, then you shouldn't be doing it. God's calling you to something else. Others have come and you can see the blessings that they bring. And I've had new ones lately that are just, you sit back and you're just astounded because you know God has put them there for that time. I am joined by Pastor Parker Davis and Pastor Bud Fancy, and we're going to talk about adoption. November is actually adoption month, so I figured it was kind of a good topic for us to discuss here at the beginning of November. Let's just start talking about experiences with adoption. Both of you have a little bit of a different experience with adoption. Pastor Parker, do you want to go ahead and go first and talk about your experiences with adoption? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So in 2006, my twin sister and I were adopted at the age of 10. Previously, before that, we had bounced around the foster system for roughly six years, almost six years, something like that. I'm sure as most people can imagine the way the foster system works, I won't get into too much detail, but let's just go with the fact that it was quite traumatic and uh, quite abusive. And so, you know, bouncing from home to home and not having the greatest of experiences in those homes created quite a traumatic childhood. And so in 2006, we were adopted into just simply one of the most amazing families that I think I could have been blessed with. My mom and dad are just phenomenal human beings. And we were adopted into a family that already had a child in the home. I was blessed with a younger brother, Austin. He's two years younger than me. And I'm sure if I put him in a corner, he would be forced to say the same. But no, Austin handled it like a champ in the first couple of years that Sierra and I moved into the Davis household. And he went from being an only child to having two older siblings and being the youngest in the family in one day. And I don't think I would have handled it as compassionately or tenderly as he did. And, and I'm just so thankful for Austin and his heart and his character. He's so kind. And my mom and dad are blessed with so much grace and compassion. And I think that's definitely the hand of God on my life because like I mentioned, Sierra and I came from a pretty traumatic background and it wasn't strict or firm parenting that in a way restored life to my own soul. It was compassion and mercy. And it was the unfailing loyal love that my parents had towards my sister and I that quite literally turned my life around. And even to this day, when people ask me, what does the heart of God look like? It's hard for me to explain the nature and character of God without using my parents as an example, because they weren't nasty when I was rebellious and angry and bitter as a broken, hurt teenager. Yeah, they were firm, they were strict, but they loved and they were compassionate and they were merciful. And that is the heart of God. And it is through them grafting me into their own family that I have had a complete new outcome of life. The trajectory of my life has forever changed. And I am a Davis, the old 
life, the old trajectory of my life is dead and gone. There's like zero remnants of it left anymore. And for better or for worse, I have taken on, I think, a lot of the traits of my parents, both good and bad. But I'm so very grateful for what they did and the sacrifice that they made for my sister and I. And Pastor Bud, you come at adoption from a little bit of a different angle. Yeah, it's interesting, really kind of cool with Park and I being on together because he sees it from the point of view of a child being adopted. And as an adoptive parent, I consider adoption one of the most sacred things that I've ever done. My first wife, Cassie, and I adopted two boys, and they're now grown men. One's a pastor in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and one is a state trooper in southern Maine. But I remember the experience well. We had no children. It just never happened that my wife conceived. And so we began to pray about adoption, which ironically, before we married, we had talked and said, someday, if God would allow, we would love to adopt. For us, adoption wasn't a tough decision. I'm sympathetic to people that maybe struggle and wonder about whether they really want to adopt. But I've often heard the statement, quote, want to have children of their own. From the get-go, we really believe that if God provided that opportunity, they were our children. For me, you know, one of the things I want to say, if people are listening in and they're thinking about adopting, number one, we consider our two boys as gifts from God, that in the providence of life, we didn't know either of the two young ladies who became pregnant and had the courage to decide to carry their children full term and to put them up for adoption. We did not want for a moment to enter into that arrangement, not really believing that God was involved in it. We prayed about it and providentially both of their stories, particularly our second son is a state trooper in Southern Maine, just some twists and turns that I really not a privilege to share because the adoption occurred in Maine. I don't want people to relate to it that will feel like their privacy has been invaded, but just say that God was involved in it. And all the way through it, until the very day that those babies were put in my wife's arms, we always considered it to be that mother's child, and we believed God would guide them as to whether they were to release the children to us. And that wasn't easy, but it made it a beautiful experience for us. And so I encourage people who are getting into it, don't wrestle as if you need to somehow wrestle a baby into your arms. Give that to Jesus and let him guide it. And then it's fantastic. There's a biblical parallel with adoption. And then there's also God speaks to people adopting. So do you want, maybe want to talk a little bit about kind of the biblical parallel for earthly adoption with God adopting us into his family? I tell people all the time, and it's the truth, for Irene and I now, and it's been that way from the very first day, Seth and then Zach entered our home, and then later, our naturally born daughter, Taylor, we never think for a second that they're two different types of children. They are all three hours. They don't think about it. We don't think about it. God just gives you the exact same Love and ironically, over time, the boys begin to resemble us. They take on our habits and characteristics, as Parker suggested, took on most of the characteristics of his parents. The only difference I can say is this we felt in some ways that Taylor was 
I was naturally born and she was just naturally ours. The boys were ours because God in his providence gifted them to us. So always left us in a little awe that somehow we were able to raise two young men and not the naturally born, but became our children. So it's really cool. Yeah, but I think that whole concept that you're just referencing, I always come back to the book of Ephesians and Galatians when Paul talks about how the gospel of Jesus Christ is not strictly meant for the Jews, but is also for the Gentiles. And I think you and I, because of our personal experience, probably see the significance and gravity of that, especially myself. There are times where it seems like natural born children are kind of like the Jews, right? Like they're the rightful heirs and the Gentiles are kind of the, the orphans and the outcasts. Yet the beauty of adoption and the beauty of What Jesus has done for all on the cross is that all can become a part of the family and the kingdom of God. You see that through earthly adoption. Someone who was not your kid now becomes your kid and is equal standing with the natural born children. And that quite literally was my experience. And so like Ephesians 1, chapter 1, chapter 2, and part of chapter 3 are some of my favorite chapters in all of scripture just because of how personal they are, because I understand what it means to go from being a Kingsbury to being a Davis, having a new name and a new start with a new future. And that is the gospel, that we are all born broken through the message and hope of Jesus Christ. We don't just find healing and forgiveness from our sin. We also are grafted into a new community, a new family with a new start, a new way of living, and quite literally a new future. All is changed and all is restored in Jesus. And I personally have experienced a lot of that through my family and the concept of grafting. So if you want to create a hybrid of apples, so to speak, you can cut the tree off at its trunk and then insert a different breed of apple and let it grow and blossom. And you get like a hybrid of Granny Smith and Macintosh if that's what you wanted to graft together and it eventually becomes so synonymous that it's one tree it's one apple and you never really know it's been grafted unless you yourself were the one doing the grafting and i think it's both jews and gentiles in the day of paul and jesus were welcomed into the same family and then my personal experience my brother austin and my twin sister and i were welcomed into the exact same family and we were loved equally and valued significantly It quite literally is a beautiful testimony to the love of God to our world. Well said, Parker. It's exactly how it works. I want to say something else, too, Kelly. I want to express the amazing courage that two young ladies had in one situation, the natural father as well. But the courage they had when they thought through things, knew where they were in life and felt like they could not raise these children. They were very young themselves. It took a lot of courage for them to, number one, carry the child to life. One of my boys was scheduled to lose his life to an abortion, and his mother changed her mind, and we are so, so grateful. We just want to say that we love them to death, and we have letters that we treasure from both of those young ladies who met with us several times during their pregnancy. You know, they almost became part of our family emotionally. We have really had no connections since the adoption. That's the way they wanted it to be. It's always an open door for my kids. 
to visit their natural family if they so choose. So far on either side, there hasn't been that choice. But nonetheless, what an amazing love they had to say, if I can't raise this child, I want to put this child in a home that loves them. Well, and you've both kind of touched on it. I mean, there's so much negative thought around adoption. There's so much pain and hurt, anger on some parts. But there are also some beautiful moments, like you said, with people who step out and say, I can't be what they need right now. And people who step out and say, I can be what they need right now. God can make anything beautiful kind of moment in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, too, with adoption, Park has already explained very well the spiritual parallels that come with that. But I also want to speak to people who perhaps were at the place where my first wife, Kathy, and I were. I lost her to cancer at 41, and Irene has become a beautiful mother to my boys and our naturally born daughter. One of the things I want to say to people who perhaps have not had children or have children but have wondered, should we consider adoption? No one should talk you into it, but I can say to you that it is absolutely, totally fulfilling. There is no difference, never has been any difference in our hearts and minds. It's not second best for us till I lost my first wife to cancer. We thought that was the only choice we'd have. Never felt cheated for a second. They just totally fulfilled everything that we desired in having a family. I once heard somebody say, with adopted children, they are chosen. They are chosen children. I won't say for all families, some families have different situations or whatever, but for the majority of people who end up adopting, they chose to adopt this Mm -hmm. child, which means they do have an invested love that I think sometimes can be hard to see maybe on the other side. Maybe Parker, you can speak to this a little bit. I think sometimes they do feel that second best or somebody just kind of took me into their family, but someone actually chose to welcome them into their family. Yeah. You know, and as Bud was talking, it got me thinking of, okay, so Bud loved his boys and still does love his boys and never not desired to be their dad, which is really encouraging to hear. And in full transparency, some of the insecurity that I had growing up and even into college and still possibly might even still exist somewhere deep inside my conscience that currently is not present is the fact that, yeah, they aren't my real family, right? And, you know, the times when I experienced that, when I start thinking that way, was more when really good things would happen. So uh, my brother does really well all season long with baseball. And then I'd play soccer and have a good season, but I wouldn't see the same encouragement and praise that my parents or my family members would give my brother. And I wouldn't hear that in my own life. At least that was my perception, right? And in all reality, my parents probably encouraged us the same exact way, the same exact consistency. But in my mind, they would praise Austin more than me. And I saw that at graduation, my sister and I graduate, and then I go to my brother's graduation. And I'm like, oh, they love my brother more than they love me. And then again, that's like my own insecurity and the lies that I believe and tell myself. And I think some of that does come from the fact that I've technically lived in six different homes. And so there is a level of disconnect. I don't think that's present anymore. 
like I said, I dearly love my family, but some of that insecurity was there. And then growing up in high school, you know, you'd talk about your family, you'd talk about your mom and dad. And as soon as people find out you're adopted in their own ignorance, not understanding how devastating of a covenant it is, they're like, they're not your real parents. They're not your real family. And so people tell you that, and then you start to believe that. And it's not true in all legalities. I'm a Davis, but also in all relationship and life experience all of my positive memories from life come from the davis family and so it's not true i am theirs i am a davis i am just as much of a part of the family as anybody else but there is this level of mystery or question am i truly am i fully a part of this family and especially like you mentioned the negative side of adoption it's hard to explain and it's hard to help people who aren't adopted or haven't fostered or have not adopted that comments like that, they're not your real parents, strike a huge blow to the very heart of both the parents and the children. I can remember that would be the one thing that would set me off the handle and I would lash out and freak out at anybody that would make that comment. Yeah, I think that's because it's so personal and so devastating to everything I've ever wanted. All I've wanted as a kid was a family and now I have it and you're telling me they're not my family. I have walked a little of this road as I also adopted. I've been able to see some of this and I've heard some of the things that are said and I think there's a lot, I don't think, there's a lot (laughs) of misconceptions about adoption, about the foster care system, about what children are going through, about what adoptive families are going through, about what parents who have to give up or lose their children are going through. So let's talk a little bit. You've started talking a little bit about that. There are so many things that people just don't understand. And I think a lot of people don't even know that once a child is adopted, their birth certificate is actually changed so that the person who adopts them is the name on the birth certificate. So, I mean, that does take it almost to a new level, but there is always that, but biologically, right? Let's talk a little bit about some of those other misconceptions out there. Some of those things that parents are hearing, kids are hearing that are more detrimental, more hurtful than helpful to people who are going through this. I hear where Park is coming from. I don't have perspective with my boys is the fact that they were adopted at 48 hours old and 28 hours old. So the only parenting they ever knew was us. But I'll tell you a couple of things that we did do that I think are really, really important for anybody that's considering adoption. If you adopt a child that's older, of course, they have this understanding. But if you adopt an infant before they're old enough to know, tell them they're adopted and make it a big deal. Because we did. We did exactly what either you said or Parker said earlier on. We said, you know, in a way you're special because we got to choose you. God chose you to give them to, but we got to say yes. And I had a fellow in my home one time, and he was looking at my two boys, and he looked at my son, Seth, and he said, I can sure tell he's your son. And he looked at my son, Zach, and said, boy, he sure resembles his mother. And my two guys were laughing over there because they knew the punchline that was coming because this guy just kept talking about it. And finally, I looked at him and said, what would you say if I said they're both adopted? And he was mad at me. He thought I was lying. And the voice chirped in and said, yep, we're adopted. And they were proud of it because it was, as you said earlier, it's like we did not deserve 
if that's a fair term. No one deserves any kids because they come from God. They're a gift. But we especially did not deserve, quote, to get them. We didn't, quote, earn them, whatever that thought is. They came as a gift to the love of a couple of young mothers who surrendered them, and in one case, a father who did as well. But, yeah, it's really, really cool. The other thing that happened to Kathy quite often is that well-meaning people would say, don't you wish we'd have one of your own? And she'd just look at them and smile and say, well, actually, I have two of my own. And we never cut anybody. We never insulted them. We just kind of said in a way that said, you know, what you just said is totally inaccurate and we don't receive it. My own personal experience, I've had people say things like when I said that I was going to be adopting, I adopted older. I adopted when she was 12. So, you know, I had many, many people, I'm sure in their mind, well-meaning, say that never works out. And then launch into the seven stories they have from people they know that it didn't work out for. I've also had the experience, even though she was 12, she does strikingly resemble me. God worked that out. And so I've had people argue with us about, no, she's definitely yours. My kiddo also not ashamed of the fact that she's adopted and happily tells people and thinks it's hilarious when people don't believe us that she was in fact adopted. I think the way that you go about it, and of course at 12, there's, you know, I'm not going to tell her, by the way, I, you know, you weren't adopted. She knows, she knew coming in, but there's definitely room for improvement, I think, in how the community can come around and support people walking this road, because really this road is biblical. God does say that adoption is a good thing. And it is such an important thing for people. There's so many people out there who need loving people to come around and support and love them through hurt and pain. Yeah, look after the widows and orphans, right? Yeah, and think about the fact there are literally tens of thousands of people who can't afford without. They just don't have the cash, and they would love to be able to have children, or they don't have the opportunities. Tragically, 1.2 million unborn babies perish every year when there are all kinds of opportunities for them to be loved. I think adoption is the heart of God. There's no doubt about it. I have to tell you, when Parker's parents walked into that foster home and said, we want to be your parents, that just bears me up. What a gift. Yeah, I probably made them question that decision on a number of occasions growing up, but you know, I'm thankful they didn't return me. They considered that their privilege. They, if anybody's going to kill them, it's going to be us. Yeah. Oh, my. Zachary was your match. I'll yeah. tell you, he'd be two peas in a pod. That's Seth, funny. Seth was Mr. Compliant, and Zach was Mr. Anything I Can. Oh, it's, it's no will. fun to comply. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, Kelly, the thing that breaks my heart the most around the foster system and around adoption, forget the fact that the system is broken. It's just that all of these people are broken. Yeah, we can rag on the system all day long, but I think what breaks my heart the most is there are broken children and there are broken parents. And really the heart of God is to restore the brokenness of sin in our world. And we see that in the hope of Jesus through the cross and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Given my specific position as a youth pastor here, when I see these children who come from terrible homes, who come and they are adopted, there's a level of definitely compassion. But when they start to tell me who they are, and tell me their story, there's a level of empathy, I guess is is the right word, that leaps out towards them because it's like, ah, 
I know the brokenness that you feel. And we do have some pretty amazing parents in our congregation, whether they're adoptive parents, foster parents, or just natural born parents. There's some pretty phenomenal families at attend Framework Church. And I'm very grateful to be a part of that. I also do get to see the, the other side of the coin where there are kids who come to youth group who have absolute no parental guidance at home. And I think that's probably one of the biggest driving forces as to why I'm a pastor and why I wanted to become a pastor is to work in a field that brings healing and hope to the level of brokenness that's in society. And given my upbringing and my experience of life, foster families and adoptive families definitely have a sweet spot there simply because of all that I've experienced. So Bud, Kelly, and any of our foster adoptive families from our church who may be listening, like, thank you. As a child who's adopted, thank you. I am so grateful for people like you, and I'm so grateful for my parents. And then to even just the good parents, not like this is an add-on, but parents who love their children and support them, like, thank you. There are so many kids who do not get that. And I am so grateful to get a front row seat to providing hope to those kids but to also encourage and rejoice with the parents who are raising children with love and compassion and mercy with the intent to show the heart of God to them. It is beautiful. It's redeeming. And I'm thoroughly honored to be a part of that. One of the greatest gifts that was given to Kathy and I, she was living when we adopted. And of course, Irene certainly embraced it all. We had some people who counseled us when we adopt, tell your children early they're adopted because both Irene and I have friends. One lady who found out when she was almost 50, her mother died and she happened to see record and at that time realized she had been adopted and never known it. And she felt deceived because like there was something that you shouldn't tell anybody, almost like they were ashamed of it. I've seen that repeat itself time after time. I'm so thankful for the people who said, Tell them early they're adopted, you love them. I think there are two reasons why people don't. One, somehow they think that diminishes how a child feels about it. Sure never did with my kids. They would proudly tell everybody. The second thing it does when you don't tell them, it may speak of your insecurity as a parent thinking. They know they're adopted. Someday they might want to meet their birth parents. We gave our children at 15, not till they were 15. But at 15, we allowed them to make contact if they wanted to. Neither one chose to do it. But it wasn't because we discouraged it. We said, it's perfectly okay. Both my sons looked at me because I had the conversations with them and said, you're a dad, mom's our mom. That's what we want. And I, and I said to them, that's okay. But if you want to meet your birth parents, we're perfectly fine with that. Because my conviction is this, if you raise a child and you love a child, you want them to do what for them is the best for their future. And I think it's a mistake that haunts parents because they live with this little guilt that there's a secret that's so sacred that their kids have never been told. And they know someday they'll come out. So my advice is be proud and thankful that Jesus gave you this child as an adopted child because it's cool. I feel like we could continue talking about this all day, but... <laughs> What is something from each of your perspectives that you would want both children who are in this situation, either in the foster care system, having been adopted, maybe they're going through a period of time where their parents are not what they need them to be. What can you say to the kids 
And what can you say to parents who are in the process of adopting or have adopted? What would you say to both of those groups of people? What I'd say to parents is if you are raising an adopted child who's given you problems, welcome to the world of every parent. Whether your children are adopted or not adopted, they're going to give you hassles. Some days they're going to embarrass you. Some days they're going to make you very proud. I got a son who, a state trooper, who's made me proud many times. That son has also made me red in the face many times because he was a character. He was a cutout. He and Parker, I think, are somehow distantly related when they were kids. And uh, honestly, that was me when I was a kid. I always said my brother actually became a police officer. I became a pastor. My oldest boy's a pastor. My youngest boy's a police officer. I think for all four of us, it was either that or put us in jail. So we were characters when we were kids, but not criminally, but just full of it. And I had a man one time that looked at me, and he had adopted a child, and it didn't turn out very good. And he looked at me. We were considering adoption. It's our first adoption coming. He said, don't do it. We adopted a boy, and it was born in him. He was bad, and it broke our hearts. And I both came unglued, I'll be honest with you, because I looked at him, and I didn't even get into discussion with him. But I said, you did not deserve to be that child's parent. Your child may make mistakes. You may not be proud of everything they do. They're your child. Once you committed to that adoption, they're totally yours. Own it. You're a huge influence in their life. Grow up, be their dad, be their mom, love them to death. And once in a while, lay the discipline. Parker knows what I'm talking about there. And help them become. Parker's a perfect example, by the way, of what a godly young man can be shaped out of a young man who had not much chance starting out. He had some parents who I know are very proud of him, who I know he's very proud of the job they did. I'm not going to comment on what you just said, bud, because I think I'll cry. Yeah. To answer your question, to children and teenagers who are adopted or may hear this and are newly adopted or maybe the way the internet works, almost adopted, your parents will not meet all of your expectations you have of what a parent should be in your head. They will let you down and they will fail to meet your standards, but stay with them and love them. Let down your guard. It is okay. You will be okay. You are safe. And to parents who are adopting children or have adopted children, it may be hard for you right now. It may be good for you right now. Stay with it. It's cliche to say it takes time. So I'm not going to say that. What I would say is be persistent in pursuing relationship and really intimacy with your child. They may reject it, and that probably will hurt, and I'm sorry for that, but pursue them just as God has pursued us. Be relentless in showing them your love and compassion. Do things intentionally to spend time with them, and I'm confident that eventually it may take three years like it did for me. It may take three months, but I think I'm confident that they will let down their guard, and they will let you in, and they will heal. And just because I know parents who have had this happen to them, I would like to add that if you have tried to adopt or have tried to foster, and for some odd reason, and there's thousands of reasons, but if that child has been removed from your home, I am sorry. I know that that is hard and it is heartbreaking, but let me just say to those parents today, it is not your fault. 
the guilt that you may feel and experience, it is not your fault. I am sorry. It's heartbreaking that that has had to happen to these kinds of parents. So if I can offer any encouragement today, it is simply to say, it's not your fault. And I'm sorry. And finally, how can community support children and adoptive parents and birth parents today? Adoptive parents, they probably get their best support and help from other adoptive parents. And I tell adoptive parents, if you're struggling with a child that you've adopted, just remove from your mind that, you know, that's just who they are. That's their DNA. That's whatever. I think probably my DNA was horrible if I hadn't had good and godly parents because I was full of mischief. But I can say to you that there are so many healthy adoptive parents who can counsel you to get you through stuff. I do want to say the people who might be listening who are foster parents, either they have children and feel like they can't really take on the adoptive process, but want to be involved in helping kids. Long-term foster parents, God bless you, because I think in many, many ways, you will make such a profound difference into those children you bring into your home. You will bless them incredibly, and thank you. I think it takes huge courage to be a foster parent because you pour out in kids that are very wounded and may not get to experience the fruit that, say, Parker's parents got because they had enough time to see the fruit of what they invested in his life. I say thank you to the foster parents. I think community is probably the source of most people's problems, that if you get into good, supportive, honest, open, and transparent community, a lot of our problems will be fixed, especially when you are in a community that is intentionally seeking the presence of God. I'm a big believer in community. It's something that has, it is the backbone of what keeps me sane and brings stability and joy to my life is having good community around me. So especially when it comes to the nature of adoption and fostering, I cannot express the value that having good community people who are sharing the same experience, but also are further along. It's so important. We actually have an adoptive and foster family gathering group that happens. I think it's the first of every month on Tuesdays here at the church. If you're one of those people and you have not come to that group, call the office at 207-764-5187. And we will hook you up with when that group happens and give you all the details. But at the same time, like man, just families getting together is so healthy and so important. And it's something that I think we need to be more open about. We need to talk about it more. I think community is essential and not just for adoptive families and foster families, but for families in general. And I guess just as we're sitting here processing, how cool would it be if we had families of all backgrounds, adoptive, fostering, single parent homes, divorce, split family homes coming together, sharing their experiences and growing towards Jesus together. That's a beautiful image I have in my mind. And I think it's redeeming. And I think it's hopeful for our community right here in Presque Isle, because there is a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of broken homes. And what would it look like for us as followers of Jesus to model healthy community that would help create healthy families, whatever your specific family makeup is. And that's it for another podcast. Next week, we will begin a series on how to talk with your young children about God. Thank you for listening. We hope you join us next time.